Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Innocence Redeemed podcast. I'm your host, Ray Berkman, and on this episode of Innocence Redeemed, I'm presenting to you what I would call a flashback episode or a refresher episode. And this episode took place in April of 2021, and the title of it's called Put On Your Wedding Garments. This episode was recorded with Glinda of Just Praise Him Today Radio before the Innocence Redeemed podcast had started. And because I had mentioned it in the recent podcast series titled What the Lord Has Shown Us About the End Times, I felt it was fitting to re-upload this episode in particular. Of course, stay tuned for part three of What the Lord Has Shown Us About the End Times, which we should have released in the next few days. Ladies and gentlemen, take what you can from these, but like any other podcast that may bring about conviction or reflection on your heart, take all of those concerns to the Lord in prayer. And there's not time to be sitting on the fence with these things, uh, guys. We need to make sure we're living for him. And he wants you to call on him, and he will bless you greatly for casting your cares upon him. He cares about you, and there is no condemnation for doing so. So know that any time that you hear any of these shows, they are meant to bring about conviction in your heart and do some self-reflection so that you may call on him and make sure that you're standing righteously with him. And so, without any more delay, may our Lord Jesus bless you, and here is the show. Enjoy, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is Put On Your Wedding Garments. And I've invited back my good friend, Ray Bergman, and he has a word given to him recently with regard to the proper attire for the wedding feast when Jesus comes for his bride. Welcome back to the show, Ray. Hi, Glenda. Thank you for having me back on JPH Radio. It's an honor to be back on the podcast with you. Thank you. And and I want to uh, pray real quick before we start this podcast. Lord God, I lift this podcast to you and every listener that is listening, no matter when they listen to it. I also lift to you, my good friend, Ray. And I thank you, Lord God, for his devotion to you, for his generosity, his kindness, and for the way that he walks so closely with you. So he receives these revelations so that we can get them to the people. I thank you, Lord, for every listener, and I pray that you would open their hearts to receive, that you would open their ears to hear, and that you would give them revelations of their own and show them, Lord, whatever they need and show each of us anything we need to know about the wedding garments. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Ray, you recently wrote a blog titled, I Desire the Proper Attire at My Wedding. Would you describe to the listeners what the Lord told you he desires from his people in this hour? Absolutely. Well, Glenda, a few days before I knew I would be writing on the proper attire for the wedding feast, I asked the Lord if he had any verses he would have me study, because many times this is how I will discern what he would have me write on. Not all the blogs are like this, but most of them are, and when I write many of them, I will usually cross-reference what he has me study, which is why I will tie many verses to what I write about if I believe they are useful in illustrating what I am writing about or teaching on. There are times also when I'm studying, when he'll speak to me, if I pause to ask him what I believe he's showing me. I try not to make any assumptions on what he gives me, so I will usually wait and continue to read over the verses to allow his word to speak to me, or he'll give me a message when I'm in prayer or worship, and then I go from there on the writing. So on this occasion, the Lord directed me a day before I wrote the blog to study Matthew 22 through 26. Now, many of us tend to put a lot of emphasis on Matthew 24, because this is where Jesus talks about the future and what's coming, and where we are today. It is a very well-known verse and an important one to remember, so of course it should not be overlooked. We see a lot of what's happening now with the pestilences, the earthquakes, volcanoes going off, rumors of war. We all know these things have begun. Never has it been all at once on top of persecution, which we are seeing on multiple fronts right now. Now, on the topic of Matthew 24 in itself, Jesus gave the parable of the fig tree in uh, verses 32 through 34. And I'm reading the King James Version here. Now learn from a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. 
And not to get too far off topic, but I mention this first because it's easier to focus on what's coming, in which we are told in Matthew 24, 6, not to panic because these things must come to pass. But before this, they will deliver some of us up to be killed. And Glinda, this is where I believe the messages you have independently posted on in regards to being martyred also come into the arena, because I do believe the Lord is raising some of his people up to take a stand against this. Do you mean uh, take a stand against being martyred? Yeah, because I believe many the Lord is raising up are now becoming active and doing his works and taking a stand. But, you know, it's easy to get caught up in what's going on and what is coming and lose sight of how we are supposed to be conducting ourselves when the times get trying. We have to consider how it may be difficult to remember what we need to be doing instead of looking on these things coming upon the earth. And we can only do this if we are abiding in the Lord's word and his ways. And we do that by writing the word on our hearts so that we will live by it. You know, the word tells us in Luke 21, verse 26, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after these things coming upon the earth. The powers of heaven will be shaken. When times get really desperate, how will people really be if they aren't grounded in the Holy Word? This is where we have to take pause to reflect on not losing focus in the race of endurance, because Matthew twenty four thirteen tells us, But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. So how are we to endure until the end? We keep our lamps filled with oil. We keep on our spotless wedding attire, that we may be welcomed into the feast at the uniting of the bridegroom. Can you explain what the Lord has shown you in your spirit about how a person puts on spotless wedding attire so that we all have the same understanding? Well, as Christians living for Jesus, we have received the invitation and we are ironing out the wrinkles in the garments. Now we are just sending out the invitations, letting others know there is still room. You know, perhaps you have heard someone say that to others that the kingdom of heaven is near, get right with the Lord. Essentially, what they are summing up in so many words is to get on your proper attire and stop playing around in the worldly. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to be living by his decrees. Some are accepting that invitation. Some are refusing to accept what time it is. Yeah. I mean, just dismissing what time it is, um, you're dismissing that there's even a wedding day at all. I've seen yeah. it. Me too. And so you would liken this to the foolish bridesmaids or the unbelievers. Whether they tie together is not up for me to decide, but you often know them by their fruits and how they act. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of a message the Lord gave me back in 2012 called Chained. And it was about his bride refusing to forsake her sins. Let me read that to the listeners here because I think it's really important. He gave me this message. Uh, it was for May 3rd, 2012. I was deep in worship, adoring the Lord when chains appeared on my hands and then on my feet. I remember seeing those chains even right now. I can remember it. Then on my feet and then shackles appeared on my legs. And I began to cry out and beg him to break the chains off of me. And he began to speak this message. My bride has enslaved herself to the world and its ways. I desire she would free herself, but she would not, for she has preferred the pleasures of the flesh over all I can give her. In the spirit, I saw the world and all the people there. And at first they were all walking towards the world. Then some began to turn back and worship the king of kings. As the group that had turned back worshiped him, I saw golden oil pouring down from heaven onto them from his hand. As they worshipped, the group that kept walking towards the world groaned heavily as they continued moving further into darkness and chaos. My bride's chains are forged in her own sins, and she refuses to lay them down, though I have already set her free and ordained her freedom from sin. I have called to my children again and again, but they turn not, and now judgment must come to the earth. Those who will not turn from sin shall perish. For the wages of sin is death, my children. Why do you prefer darkness over light? For I withhold no good thing from those who serve me and walk in my ways. Yet you refuse and continue in bondage. You no longer cry out for freedom, for you have found comfort in your sins and prefer them to me and my ways. This is truly grievous in my eyes. In the spirit I saw as the people in chains sinned, their chains became heavier and heavier. Mm. Every act, every deed of darkness adds to your chains. Do you not see your bondage? Do you not feel the weight of your sins and long to be free to serve me with your whole heart? You have cast me aside like an old lover and taken up with the world. And when he said that, I heard such great grief in his voice. Like when you hear somebody speak about somebody who's just passed away. The evil one comes for you, my children, and those under heavy weight of sin shall not be able to escape him in time. Turn now, turn to me and cry out, and I shall make you free. Amen. 
I think that is such an important message for today because, you know, I've found that, that it seems like to me over the years that I've been doing this work that the more important a prophecy is, the earlier and further away from the actual event he will give it. And I don't know, I just think that's a really important word for today. The last line of that is really chilling. The evil one comes for you, my children, and those under heavy weight of sin shall not be able to escape him. I think that was supposed to say in this time. Every time I read that, I get an image of someone trying to run while carrying 100 pounds of weight on their backs. Amen. You don't want to fall into the hands of God. No. And let me just say, even if you believe there is such a thing as normal, why would you trade the kingdom of heaven and, and the love for Jesus for the worldly corruption? Amen. I mean, everything we thought we knew has been shown to be a big lie. Yep. So, you know, suffice to say, choose wisely. Yes. And then a lot of what I'm seeing going on in our country is that the wedding invitations are going out, but many who say they are his are conducting themselves in ways that are contrary to his word. Yeah. And, you know, if you claim to be a Christian and you're trying to, like, witness to your family and stuff like that, they are going to look at your life to judge whether they want to know your God. Can I just tell you that? And if your life does not line up with your words, they will not believe anything that comes out of your mouth. Right. And it goes along with the examples that we're seeing right now, like the insulting comments being hurled at others, threats, yes. crimes, mm -hmm. debauchery, substance abuse. And we may even begin to see more coveting as the line is being drawn between those of us who are provided for and those who aren't because they are living contrary to the word. We will. You know, these evil powers that be can't seem to get enough of trying to divide us in every way possible. And we are not to be divided if we are one body in Christ our Lord. Amen. So I mentioned Matthew 24. We see a lot of that now in what is unfolding, but the Lord was pulling me to really keep my focus on Matthew 22, 23, and 25. So that was my main area of focus. The day before I wrote the blog, I was spending time in that in the evening when it was given to me, but then also the next morning, I was spending time going over it again and keeping those three chapters as my main focus. But of course, I you know added Matthew 24 because it was between them, because I'm like, well, you know, it, it all goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Later that morning when I was in prayer, um, after I had did a review on them again, the Lord spoke to me the following. He said, I desire my people be dressed in the proper garments for my wedding feast. Many of my children have chosen not to hear, not to see. They do not make time for me. They could know my way for them, but they choose not. They are too blinded by worldly pleasures to understand I am all they need. Many of my people would have so much of what I desire if they would only seek my instruction, do my will, and spend time in my presence. My son, because you have made the time for me, you know my word. I am established in your heart for every time you study it is written. You have endured so much that you have already have it in your heart what I desire for you and how you live. For it is me working within you and providing your direction. It is through your faith in me you are living in my word and my ways. I would desire all of my children do this. Many of my children are looking for answers, but are not willing to submit to my refining. My son, though you show much mercy, you could not do this for them they must choose. Many would have my blessing if they chose to believe my word for what it says. Those who truly desire my presence will continue to seek me, and they shall find, for I will reveal myself. I desire they be dressed in the proper attire, but they have not made enough time by cutting out the distractions and making time to understand. You must tell them, my son, for you have been there and can explain it in such a way that can be understood. Those who do not have on the proper attire for the wedding feast shall not enter. Scary. It, that is, and it's very serious. Yeah. So the main focus of what he gave me in that message was first from my focus on Matthew 22, in which we are told in verses 2 through 14, and in this I'm going to read the New King James Version, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, the watchmen saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to my wedding. But they made light of it and went in their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. Sounds like now, huh? Mm, exactly. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. That's the persecution. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. 
So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. He said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, few are chosen. Note where verse 14 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. This is because they refuse to heed the Lord's calling when he has poured out so much mercy and repentance, but they still desire the ways that are not of him. It's open rebellion even after they've been told, or in this case, invited to attend. They were called, tripped over the cornerstone, and saw the invitation, but said, well, I just want to wear my comfy clothes and embrace Satan's lies, and therefore were sent to hell because they didn't believe, repent, accept the invitation to the wedding, and dress appropriately by accepting the invitation of Christ into their hearts, and then clothing themselves in his love and abiding in him by obeying his commands. I mean, this parable is pretty serious in what it says here. Very serious. And there is great urgency in the Lord's messages he has given on it. I mean, when we think about it, that's how much mercy and love he has for us. And I wrote on that recently too, Glenda, for Resurrection Sunday. Oh yeah, you did. You know, Jesus is sending out the RSVPs, and yet many continue to throw them in the trash and do whatever they feel like doing. So the wedding invitation is one parable, but then there is also the parable of the ten bridesmaids, where five were wise and five were foolish. Jesus told us in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be enough for us and for you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And I liken this to the parable to those where it is not being considered the time it is, or as we know, the lateness of the hour. And they just aren't taking it seriously. There are people who claim to be Christians, but not living like it. The groom, Jesus, could come at any time for his bride, as we're told, when we go back to Matthew twenty-four thirty-six, And there comes Matthew 24 again, you know, into the equation. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. Yeah, everywhere we look, there are people who are not... They, I don't know about y'all, but I'll just stand and, and watch outside, sometimes just watch the road, or I'll be someplace and I'll be watching people going down the highway. And it's like no one realizes. And I'm so afraid for them because it's like they don't realize where we are on the map, you know, and that everything is about to happen. The yep. Lord gave me a very serious vision on April 7th, and I've been pondering it and asking for more information. I finally got some more information yesterday. It relates to some previous visions, and I'll be doing a podcast upcoming on that. But it really scared me because of the time that it shows me that we're at. I mean, it really, it's frightening when you realize what time it means. There's a lot of unsettling things, and I think a lot of us are even feeling it. I mean, you don't, you may not necessarily even know what it is you're feeling. You just know you're feeling like that heaviness. Yes. I'll have, you know, my up days and my down days, and it's like there's days I just feel like there's just this heavy, heavy weight, and I don't know what it is. It's like there's something going on. I yep. may not know what it is, but I have an idea. Yeah. I think that's, well, that I call that oppression because it feels like you're being pressed down. Yep. And you know, Glenda, when we consider all the evil we are seeing taking place, many of us are crying out in prayer. And even sometimes before we go to sleep at night about the injustices taking place, like how much of this are we going to have to endure? But what we need to remember is that we too were granted that mercy to repentance, to get on those proper garments so that we could work toward ironing out the wrinkles in the garments and be presentable to go out and invite others. Yes. And that is known as the witnessing. And there are many that the Lord desires to save. You know, last night as I was preparing myself something to eat for dinner, I saw coverage of these riots going on in Minnesota. You know, just the lawlessness that's out of control. And to think that this is our top focus. I mean, there are people on that island, St. Vincent, in the Caribbean, where that volcano has been erupting since Friday. The electric and the water have been shut off. They have no food. I'm 
even surprised they still have communications, but the videos are getting out. Yeah. And people are having trouble breathing. And I read that they aren't letting people off the island who aren't even vaccinated. Good grief. Yeah. That's if almost you, a death sentence. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're for saving lives, but yeah. Yeah. I digress. So, if, I mean, <laughs> if, you were, if you were faced with a situation like that, what would you choose to do? Would your soul be prepared to go home to be with the Lord? And have you heard about the persecution in China? Oh, it's bad there. Yeah, they're hunting Christians down and killing them or putting them into forced labor camps. And then on top of that, we're hearing of wars and rumors of wars in regards to Ukraine with Russia and Taiwan with China. Yeah. I mean, any of this could go hot at any time. Yes. And then when we look at our, and you've written messages on it, you know, a new day of destruction comes, you know, and it will come suddenly. Very suddenly. And then when we look at our news coverage and that we ought to be thankful while we still have many comforts, and yet this is how we show how grateful we are as a people, by burning down buildings, stealing, hurling insults, (laughs) allowing ourselves to be divided. This is our priority right now. Yeah. I mean, are those individuals taking one moment to contemplate what the Lord has provided? How merciful he is being by giving them the time to repent? I don't think so. I have a picture of Jesus hanging up where he is holding a globe and looking down on it. Can you imagine the sadness he is feeling right now? His love is so great, and he is pleading with us to turn from the wickedness and come to him. We have had it so good, and this is the sin that we have going on, and it's only one of them. A similar event could happen here at any time, for the times are wicked, and the judgments are coming. Yes. You wrote about that in uh, your one book, No Longer Mine. Yeah. That uh, that book is, is a compilation of like all the words up to that certain point that the Lord had spoken to me about America or for America. And it was a pretty interesting exercise, getting them all together and reading back over them. You know, it's a perfect example, a further illustration of not having on the proper attire when we know, when we never know what's going to end up happening tomorrow. Yeah. You know, Jesus told us in John 12, verse 35 through 36, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see what they are doing, you know, because they've essentially hardened their hearts. So put your trust in the light while there is still time, then you will become children of the light. Putting on that attire, you're becoming his. Yeah. And then he went on to say in uh, verse 46, 48, and this is still in John 12, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. Wow. Recently, I was going over Jeremiah 6 for another writing I was doing. It says, find the old way and walk in it. But you said, no, that's not what we want. Yeah. <laughs> so therefore, the judgments came. Yeah, they did. Very badly. Judgments came there. Very bad judgments. You know, I was thinking today about a sermon illustration I told on this show years ago. I don't even remember what year it was. Then I lost it because I, I used to throw all my sermon notes away. So it was probably in like 2014 or somewhere way back there. And I've not been able to ever find it again. It was a true story. But basically there was a preacher and he had a congregation of about 400 people. And uh, he was, I think he was holding like prayer meetings and the people were not coming to the prayer meeting or something. And Anyway, he was praying about that, and the Lord spoke to him and said that if Jesus came back that night, that only 40 people out of his whole church would be taken to heaven. That's 10%. And that was like back in the, I don't know, 17 or 1800. You know, it was way, way back there. How many fewer is it now? People are losing interest, I think, in Christianity. A lot of people, the younger people, they don't see the benefit of it. And, you know, they're busy with technology and busy with the world and busy staring at the pandemic and how it's changed everything. And I don't know, but I think our numbers are less than they used to be. And I was looking at the world death rates every day, about 163,898 people die around the world. So that's 6,829 per hour, 114 per minute. And what that means is by the time you finish listening to this podcast, at least Four or 500 more people will have died and gone on to their eternity. Mm. Many of those will not be waiting for us in heaven. So if only 10% of those are actually saved, 
only 40 or 50 of those people by the end of this podcast will be in heaven, which means that the other 360 to 450 are in hell by the time we finish talking on this podcast. Any of these souls could have been you or me or somebody we love. I'm just saying. Yeah, and it certainly could have been. That's And that's why when he called on me and said he was giving me a chance to return to him, I took him very seriously in his calling. Yeah. You know. Like I just mentioned in uh, John twelve thirty five just a bit ago, and then John twelve forty six through forty eight um, that I just mentioned just a short while ago. And Glenda, you may remember recently when we spoke on the phone, and I told you about one friend in particular who had verses coming up, and he's hearing them. Yes. And I said that is the Lord calling on you, and I said don't ignore the Lord's calling. Do not harden your heart by ignoring it. That is the Lord's mercy, and He desires to heal you, to cleanse you in your struggle with sin. All he's doing is asking for more of your time, your commitment. Yeah, and God will meet you wherever you are. That's right. He did, he did me. He definitely did me when he called me years ago in 1996. I was just a big mess. Oh, I think we, I think a lot of us were, you know, if, if, especially if we knew him and we were backspun. You know, now some of us didn't know him, but then others of us, you know, who did know him and we got away. Um, you know, he has different ways of reaching each of us. Yes. And that's another thing I told my friend was, you know, don't wait for him to decide how to get you. He's giving you, he's, he's calling you in the nice way right now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it right there. We can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. Yeah. All right. I can, yeah, I can just set off some uh, volcanoes and we'll see if that, that'll get your attention. Yeah. But if people are praying for you every day, he's not going to leave you alone. No, he won't. And I keep my friend in my prayers all the time because I realize where we are and I see how important it is. And, you know, when we look back further in, uh, to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation again, uh, the word says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Note that it says choose. And in my writings a lot, I'll say choose wisely for that very reason. But the gateway to life, it goes on in verse 14, is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. That reminds me of a vision I had years ago. That was about maybe 10 years ago. I don't remember. My niece was married to a man named Mike, and I didn't like him at the beginning. But I wouldn't say back then, and she was my party buddy, and he took my party buddy, so I didn't like him. But I liked him later because he took up for me when somebody physically attacked me. And I did not know, but Mike was in the hospital. And Mike drank a lot of whiskey, like every day. And he had like, I think she said something like eight different conditions that were all fatal. And they couldn't even believe that he was still breathing in the hospital. I mean, like he was, he was a dead man, basically. And I had the stream vision. I didn't know anything about this when I had the stream vision one night. And in this vision, I saw all these people just kind of shuffling along. And they were all in black and white, except for one. And it was him. And I said, Mike, I called out to him and he turned and he looked at me and I thought, man, he looks bad. He looks like he's really, really ill. And he tried to smile, but he was, I could tell he was so weak. And then I came out of the vision. I woke up. And so the next day I called my niece and I said, Hey, I said, I had a, I had a vision about Mike. And I said, he was really, really sick in this vision. And then she goes, well, he's in the hospital right now in ICU. And they, you know, she said, we can't even believe he's still alive. I said, is he saved? She said, I don't think so. And I said, I'm going to ask God for more time for him. And you, you know, you pray too, because so he can get saved. So we prayed and I kept praying after that because it really was hard hitting for me. And the person he had taken up for me against was his brother. I had gone out with his brother and his brother hit me, literally hit me on the date. Only other person ever hit me besides my husband I was married to. And he had gone after him when he found out. So I had a lot of respect for him after that from then on. And God raised Mike up off that sick bed, and he lived another year. Wow. I don't know if he got saved, but I know I believed God for him to be saved. Um, Angie was with someone else then, so she couldn't really, like, go, you know, go see him or find out what was going on. It wouldn't have been appropriate. But I remember that vision even to this minute. I remember seeing those people, and that was the broad way. It had to be the broad way. All those people were shuffling along. They were on their way to hell, and he would have gone with them. I'm positive he would have gone with them, but I'm believing that Mike's in heaven now. And you know, Glenda, the sad part about all of it is it's so unnecessary. It doesn't have to be this way. 
No, it doesn't. And but you know what? I would be among those people had God not had mercy on me and had my mom and my sister not literally prayed me into the kingdom. And you can pray people into the kingdom. I'm living proof of that. I was running the other way from Jesus, y'all. And I mean running hard. I was like, uh-uh. I was running because I didn't want to give up my party life. You know, that's what I thought life was about. I was having fun. I thought that was not, that life was so boring compared to this one. It was oh, yeah. so boring compared to this that it's it makes me laugh now. But my mom and sister are like, we ain't going to stop praying for you, just so you know. They kept up and praying for me, and they got everybody they knew to pray for me. And that's mm-hmm. and you mentioned how boring that life was, and that's the interesting thing is that when when you return to the Lord and when you come from being either backspun or when you're saved, you you start to realize were you really happy doing what you were doing? No. Nope. No. It was just what you thought was. Which, you know, yeah. What was fun? That's our version of fun down here was that. But, you know, Glenda, I can't help but think that a lot of people are misled due to, you know, promises that, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay. Just, you know, wait another three or four years and we'll get, you know, yeah. no, you no. need, if you, if you can't see the, if you can't see all the writings on the wall for Matthew 24, that goes to show you why you need to call on him. Yeah. You just need to ask him to show you what I did when God started drawing me. As I said, hey, if you're real, show me. And then it was after that that the Lord sent that young girl who was prophetic, and I didn't even know what prophetic meant back then, to my door at the apartment complex I was living in. And I was on the road doing oil and gas then. We walked down into the parking lot, and she told me what he said, and I sold out right there on the spot. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's real, and he knows he knows who I am. He's got my name, you know, and he was reading my mail. I just wanted to know, you know, which one of these gods is real. If, if I'm going to follow a god, I want to know they're the real one, right? You yeah. can ask him. He will show you. You gave me your life. Now you have to give up everything. That's not who he is. That's who he gets presented as, but that's not who he is. Yeah. And many are, you know, and, and I'm glad that that happened the way it did for you, Glenda, because I think you had mentioned that in uh, your wilderness book. And you had written yeah. that if that, that just like a week later or so, that if you had not, that you were shown something like a vision. He showed that you... me a vision when yeah. she was standing there giving me the word that he was, uh, that he, that he had a special work for me to do or something like that. And that, you know, I didn't have to say yes. He showed me in my spirit right then. I saw a forked road and I saw I could continue my life as it was, or I could take his way. And I couldn't see what would happen if I took his way. But the other road, the forked road, if I stayed on the road I was on, I saw like maybe a week into the future, and that may have been an actual week or not, that I was going to be in a terrible car crash and it was going to be over for me. Yeah, that's that's specifically what I was remembering from that. And, you know, yeah. this goes on to those to um, those who want to embrace the false teachings or the false prophets, like everything's going to be fine. And in yeah. Matthew seven fifteen, it speaks of that, where it says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. Yeah. In other words, those are the ones who are going to mislead you and say, well, well, you know, there's this renaissance of peace coming and, yes. oh, it's a, it's a time of revival. Oh, it's a time for revival, all right, but it ain't yeah. going to be peaceful. No, it's not. I mean, the longer you wait, you don't, this is why you don't want to wait to put on those garments. No. And the new world religion, when it shows up with the new world order is going to be, you can preach love and you can preach peace, but you can't preach anything else. That is literally what they're going to say. God's been showing me that for over 20 years. And that's what that's been happening in our church. Oh, many of the churches, you know, that's, that's been going on, you know, let's peace, let's preach the peace and prosperity, but we don't want to, let's not get into the book of Ezekiel. Let's not get into the book of Daniel, the book of Jeremiah. Let's not in, get into the book of Amos. We don't want to tell people what's coming. Oh, let's no, we don't want talk to about change. revelations because that would be an angry God. Right. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. so to put this, to put it all into perspective, all you have to do is spend time in Jeremiah for a little bit to understand who these false prophets are, what they teach. They are the ones you see all over many, even on YouTube, you know, They'll yeah, have they blue. They'll have even blue and purple hair sometimes, promising <laughs> great peace and prosperity when the times are indicative of anything but. Uh, they are. They are definitely. They will never preach repentance. A true prophet. Every true prophet in the Bible preached repentance. That's right. And and getting away from sin. And so is it any wonder why so many are being misled? Not only by the promises of the evil one, but then the false prophets. And they go, I mean, to me, they're one and the same. You know, I wonder sometimes, do they know they're doing that or do they not know they're doing that? And I'm not sure. There may be some on both sides. Yeah, I can't be sure either on that one. It's not my place to judge. I'm just saying, well, everything you're being shown is contrary to that. So, you know, take caution in what you're willing to follow. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we do things on purpose, sometimes not. I want to read uh, a message here the Lord gave me when he showed me 
a vision of the filthy bride. This was back in 2011. I think this was the first time he showed me the filthy bride. He's shown me several times since then. But I really feel that all the things that he warned me about in this word here are about to happen. This was uh, July 20th, 2011, and the word was called My Bride is Indifferent to Me. It's on my website. Recently, the Lord had told me to study the bride. I was reading a scripture from Jeremiah. Interesting enough, we were talking about Jeremiah. And I was two lines into it when he began giving me this message that followed, which he added to over the days that came after that. Jeremiah 33, 11, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts for the Lord is good for his mercy endures forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first saith the Lord. Can the bride think of anything but her groom? Yet you think of many things that do not include me, saith the Lord. Where are my devoted ones, my set-apart ones who hunger for my presence? And I felt such sadness and grief when he said that. Where are those who long after and watch for my return? Where is the worship due my holy name? Where are my worshipers? Why do they sing songs of praise to the world and not to me? Oh, there was such grief in his voice when he said that. Why, after all I do for you, do you chase after other gods, other lovers? Why is it you will bow to the opinions and desires of those around you and not bow before me? Am I not worthy of your praise, your worship, your devotion? Is there not honor due my holy name? And as I began to pray about what he was saying, the Lord showed me a vision of a stain-covered, filthy bride. She was trashy-looking, not beautiful and virtuous-looking like you expect a bride to be. She would stop along the way to wherever she was going distracted by the least little thing, and laugh loudly at it. Jesus walked past her, and she didn't even notice the grief-stricken look on his face. Mm. It was as if she didn't even see him. You see the dirty, stained condition of my bride. She is stained with the filth of the world around her. I desire for my bride to come aside with me, but she tarries in the world instead. And I sensed that the Lord had some anger at the bride's unfaithfulness. My bride is indifferent to me. In soon times to come, she shall realize the gravity of the error of her ways. She will seek me and cry out for me in her distress. Then she will let me wash her clean in the water of my holy word. Only then will she truly see her great need of me. For now she is content with her lover, the world. But then she shall long for me. She shall long for my presence." She will long to feel the security of my love, and she will truly seek me then. How I long for you, my bride. How I long to hold you near me, safe from all that is coming. But you would not. Those who seek me early shall find me. Those who wait shall know great distress, for many shall perish in a short amount of time. When there is nothing left for her to cling to but my word, then will she enter in with me. My bride abides in the world, not in me, where I desire she would be found. In me, she will find safety. In me, she will find all her needs met in my endless supply. In me, she can take refuge, but her eyes are on another, on the world, and she is polluted with gazing at evil and corruption. And I thought of how gazing at worldly television programs and movies and news reports does this to us. It fills our minds with murder and corruption and keeps our mind off of him and his mm. word. Yeah, the news is doing that right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You were talking about that. Come out of the world, my beloved. Run to me and be safe in my arms. Run to me where I can protect you from what is coming. My bride must ready herself for my return. She must wash herself clean in my holy word. She must turn away from the ways of the, this world and cling to me. And I asked the Lord why at first he said he would wash the bride, and then he said she must wash herself. And he showed me that it was him washing her through his word either way. Some of the bride will submit now and begin to clean herself up, up through the water of his word, and some will continue to him later, will come to him later in desperation and be cleansed as he leads them into his word and washes them. Either way, it's his power and his word that does the washing. We do the submitting by being willing to change and be changed by the truth of his word. You know, 
I can already hear the voice of all the complainers when the judgments start to fall, saying, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Why is he doing this way? This is why, because you have been warned so many times and you have not submitted to his ways. You have not gotten into his word. You have not done what he's told you to do. This is why. So when that happens to you later, if you're among the ones who refuse to submit now, just know that he did warn you. He did. He is. Every time you post a message, every time I post something, it's like it's because we're, you know, that's the Lord's mercy. He's speaking to us what he wants us to communicate and to you. And it's the same message across the board. That's that right. He's speaking. It's the same message. All the messages that are coming from him say the same thing. That's right. It's telling you, yeah. like, look, this is what I desire for you. This is how I would yes. have it be. He's not but leaving you're... us without instruction. Right. And we're instructed to be ready. So being wise to the time, having the oil in the lamp, which, as you know, means knowing the word enough to be able to discern the times. Yeah. And this brings me to my next point where I wrote about also spending time with the Lord, committing to his word, you know, getting rid of the distractions, making that time, not leaning on to others as a crutch to do the work for you. A distracted bride is a bride who will not be ready for her wedding on time. Right. And you could like that to the foolish bridesmaids who went to sleep in the late hour and didn't understand the time. And what happened? Oh, yeah. They were caught without and they called on those who were ready to get some of their oil. But the reality of the oil is the word written on your heart and the way you live, your yes. relationship with Jesus. And so we can help teach others, but we can't just give them our oil for each person is responsible for keeping their lamp or their heart filled with oil. Amen. Well said. Or in this case, his word. And now we are to abide in him until he returns for his bride. You know, this coincides with the proper garments because you can't have on the proper clothing of Christ if you don't have his word and you're not living by it, nor able to discern what time it is. Amen. You were invited to the wedding feast, but you were thrown out. You were rejected because you didn't dress accordingly. It's one or the other. You can't stay on the fence or continue to play in the world. And meanwhile, the groom comes for his bride while you're still in the dressing room trying on the different attire. Amen. It's the same with the word. You need to have that nourishment, that pure spiritual milk, the bread of life. That bread is Jesus. He is the bread of life. You have to start consuming it now so that you have that nourishment and as, have as much of it as you can. Yep, because when they take the word out of the world, when the Bible is outlawed in America, it will probably start being outlawed in other countries as well. Good luck. Yeah, and Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. He's, you know, He stated many times in the parables he taught that he was not talking about bread that you consume. The same learning the word is not like going through a drive-thru at McDonald's where the parent gets a child a Happy Meal only for them to consume a quarter of it because they are more interested in playing with the cheap plastic toy that comes along with it. Amen. And in that case, you would liken the food to the word itself and consuming it so that it nourishes you and then the toy being the distraction that's taking your time away from being nourished. Yeah. Now, probably not the best example using McDonald's as nourishment <laughs> where food is concerned, but I think you understand what I mean by that. My dogs will not even eat McDonald's food. They won't <laughs> eat it. They will not eat it. That tells you a lot. You know, and Peter spoke of this in First Peter 2, too, where it is written, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. You know, much in the same way, you cannot sum up the word like a reader's digest and walk away with only a quarter of the knowledge. You need as much of the word you can get before... There is a famine for it. And that's what you were just talking about. It is up to each of us independently to consume the word as our nourishment and that we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and become more like him. That is preparing the bride for the wedding feast. That is having on the proper garments for the uniting of the bridegroom, no matter what the circumstances are that present themselves. You know, Jesus told us in John fifteen six, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Amen. And he further told us in verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. And he told us in verse 22, and this is still in John 15, they would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Yep. Like Nicole is always saying, you are accountable for what you have heard. And if you've heard it, you've heard it here on this podcast, now you're accountable. So just so you know that. I want to read one other word that the Lord gave me, a, another vision of the, the filthy bride called Soiled Garments from October 1st, 2017. I want to read this real quick. I think it's important. My bride has soiled her wedding garments and is not white as snow. Though I have offered to wash her, she has refused me, preferring to play in the world's filthiness. The time is upon you, my bride, when I will indeed wash you and make you clean. 
The filth you have worn so many years will not be allowed in my presence. I am beginning the refining of my bride. I shall refine her by persecution and very severe persecution in days coming. You will be made to choose between loving me and loving the world. My bride and your choice will lead to your eternity. You will either be with me or you will go the way of the worldly. The time of your filthiness is ending. Choose wisely. Just before the Lord began speaking this word to me, I saw a vision in my spirit of a bride who looked like she was ill, wearing a filthy gown. There were some white areas on it, but most of it, 80 to 90%, was dirty and very dirty. Some of the filthy places on it were completely black. They were so filthy. I knew I was looking at the bride of Christ in the vision, and I wondered, Lord, how can those stains ever come out? And he showed me these spots will choose to leave the bride voluntarily. When faced with persecution, those spots will choose the world over him. And this is the, the danger of staying in sin this close to the end. When the end is coming, y'all, it's going to be very sudden. There are some events that are about to transpire. They're going to be very sudden that are going to really upset the status quo, so to speak. When that happens, the people who are enmeshed in the world instead of being enmeshed with the Lord, if you're enmeshed in the world, you're not going to have time to find your way to him before you will be taken out or worse before the bride will be taken out and you'll be left behind because that's when the end judgments come. They're talked about in revelations. Nobody is going to enjoy that time period. No. And in such dark times, we need to be representatives to the Lord and let his light shine through for others to see as an example in dark times when they are ready to seek the one and only answer that will give them not only light, but eternal life. And that answer is in Jesus Christ. Yes. That is having on the proper attire for the wedding. And I submit to you, the listener, that if you are hearing this podcast, it's not by chance. It's not by coincidence. The Lord knew where you would be at this time, and he wanted you to hear this. Yes. He desires you to change and to repent. You are being invited to the wedding feast, and he desires for you to come out of the world. Yes, he does. That's all we're going to have time for on this podcast. Ray, I want to thank you again for making the time to do this and for all your hard work on this podcast because your writing is really, your writing on your blog is very eloquent and it's very, your study is very thorough. Thank you. I, I don't read many blogs, but I actually follow your blog. So I don't read anybody else's blog all the time except Nicole's when she posts which I think was about two years ago is the last time she posted. But could you um, give the listeners your contact information so that they can find your blog and, your, and so they can email you any questions that they have? And then could you pray over the listeners as we close? Sure. Well, the, the blog is www.innocence, the word innocence, redeemed, all one word, dot blog. The best contact for me right now would be um, admin at innocence, redeemed, dot blog. And I will also put that in the description of the show for y'all. And I'll close out here with a prayer for our listeners. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our listeners. We thank you for allowing us to speak your will to those you desire to reach. We thank you, Father in heaven, for those you have called. We ask, Lord, that you open their heart and begin the process of healing. We ask, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, that you will create in them a new heart, a heart that can hear, a heart that can see a heart of love and understanding, a heart that you will speak to them through to put on the proper garments for the wedding feast they have been invited to. Yes, sir. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for listening. I hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address JPH Inc Glenda Lomax P.O. Box 60 Glencoe, Arkansas 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization church or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? 
Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? You may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mine, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation, is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mine today. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will, at some point, encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings? Why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?